Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, the 573rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. To do that, you have to become a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. You can do that for $50 a year or $5 a month. Either way, it comes out to under a quarter per episode. You'll get all the writing right when I release it. You will never worry about a paywall, and I'll keep trying to expand to add more benefits for paid subscribers. So if you want to support me and the work I do and this show as it expands, please consider signing up for a paid subscription on the Substack. As we continue to follow the Get Trump saga, it's gone from one week of Get Trump to a second week of Get Trump. The story just keeps developing as soon as I put an episode out. And so I have to continue the next day until they stop with the Get Trump effort. We got to stay ahead of this sort of thing. And I mentioned on the podcast yesterday that Trump had called out the FBI for seizing three of his passports. Two of them expired, one of them his diplomatic passport. And of course, that didn't really make any sense in terms of the scope of what was listed on the warrant. And if they were down there recovering top secret nuclear documents, 
What does his passport have to do with that? Especially when two of them are expired and the other is his diplomatic passport. Is Trump going to flee the country to escape his espionage crimes? And so, as you might expect, the media came to the rescue of the DOJ under the fake administration and the FBI. CBS's Nora O'Donnell decided to give that a shot, and she tweeted, according to a DOJ official, the FBI is not in possession of former President Trump's passports. Trump had accused the FBI of stealing his three passports during the search of his Mar-a-Lago home. And Trump spokesperson Taylor Budowich responded on Twitter. This is how fake news works, folks. Biden administration actively feeds half-truths and lies that the media willingly amplifies advancing a partisan narrative to attack Trump. Nora O'Donnell, did your source read this email? Did you bother asking if they indeed seized the passports? And he attaches an email message from a man named Jay Bratt, who's basically the head of the DOJ's counterintelligence and espionage division. And it's addressed to Evan and Jim. We have learned that the filter agent seized three passports belonging to President Trump, two expired and one being his active diplomatic passport. We are returning them and they will be ready for pickup at WFO at 2 p.m. today. I am traveling, but you can coordinate further with a redacted name copied above. Thanks, Jay. So it turns out that Donald Trump was exactly right. The FBI took his passports for no reason, but they didn't want anyone to find out. So Trump is totally justified in asking what else did they take and did they leave anything? Is that still a conspiracy theory? Trump talking about the passports was a conspiracy theory for three or four hours yesterday. It was probably dangerous public disinformation. And they even went so far as to put Nora O'Donnell on the case. They didn't just gather some fact checker like lead stories that China pays Facebook to run so that lead stories can publish fact checks and give them back to Facebook. And then Facebook can censor Americans based on the fact checks that they paid for on behalf of the CCP. Oh, but I know that's a conspiracy theory, too. There's too much going on there. It couldn't be like that. It's just impossible. If it was like that, the news would tell us. Except it is possible. It's one entity paying another entity to partner with another entity that the second entity creates, and they all have the same goal, power and profit, and they all just work in coordination. It's really not that complicated. But I'm sure they all have plausible deniability if you find a complicated and convoluted explanation that just somehow fits if you really try to shove it in there. And then you can say none of it's a problem. But they didn't even go that route. They went straight to Nora O'Donnell. They said, hey, Nora, you have so much gravitas as a lead female anchor on the CBS Evening News. Please use some of your gravitas to make the DOJ look less corrupt. And she went out and did it, except she was wrong. Unless 
you really, really want to parse the statement she made because the statement she made could be technically functionally true in some way because she was very careful to say the FBI is not in all capital letters. FBI is not in possession of former President Trump's passports. So did she talk to somebody at the DOJ that was like, no, Kamala's holding them for us for a while. We don't have them. Report that, Nora. And so Nora goes on TV and says, hey, guys, you know, Trump's saying all this crazy stuff about his passports being stolen by the FBI, and he's calling it stolen because, you know, just because they weren't on the warrant and there's no reason for the FBI to have taken them at all. They just took them. Well, they say they don't have them. And if they don't have them, that means they didn't steal them. So once again, Donald Trump is lying to the American public. This is his 34,000th lie, according to the Washington Post. And of course, the people that still do believe that Nora O'Donnell is a serious journalist with great gravitas, those people will say to themselves once again, and they will remember this as true. They'll say Trump was lying about the passports. And that's all they'll remember. And they actually don't care whether or not they're right or wrong. If you tell them, no, there are emails proving that the FBI took the passports, they will say the DOJ doesn't have the passports. That's what matters. And you can even show them Nora O'Donnell's tweet and say, hey, I think maybe you're misunderstanding this here. And they will accept the literal interpretation. They'll argue that the literal interpretation is correct. And you're saying it's not. Therefore, you're the one lying. Isn't that incredible how that works? Nora O'Donnell is saying something technically true that is meant to mislead the public and direct them toward the wrong conclusion. But that is not disinformation. And by the way, I don't know if that's technically true, but I think that's the out on this statement and why she worded it this way. It may well be false. The FBI might still have possession of those passports or the DOJ somewhere. You would have to expect some part of the DOJ still has those passports because they're planning to give them back to Donald Trump. So maybe the FBI doesn't have them, but someone does. But let's give Nora O'Donnell the benefit of the doubt and say that the FBI doesn't have them. She's saying something technically true that leads you to a false conclusion. She is covering for them. This is a very familiar tactic that you really have to get used to and you have to really understand because this is how they communicate all the time. They will be sure to lead their audience in the wrong direction by saying things that no one can actually call them a liar for in every single way. I mean, sometimes they just straight up lie, and that's pretty obvious. But this is way more pernicious and way more common. You can find examples of this sort of thing in almost every single mainstream media article you could ever possibly find. But you're far less likely to find this sort of thing in just the news. So let's head there. Boomerang DOJ admission. It overcollected evidence in Trump raid creates new legal drama. Three passports, privileged documents, a file on a presidential pardon 
As evidence surfaces about what FBI agents seized during the raid of former President Donald Trump's estate in Mar-a-Lago, new questions about the real focus of the investigation and new avenues for legal challenges are bubbling to the surface. The Justice Department informed Trump's team Monday that agents gathered the former president's passports and are obligated to return them, and that officials are also reviewing seized materials that may be covered by various privileges, multiple sources told Just the News. DOJ has designated a process for separating materials that could be covered by executive privilege or attorney-client privilege and hopes to return such memos to Trump within a couple of weeks, the sources said. But until then, they get to hold on to them, and they might get to leak to the press about what's in there. And they might even get to leak information to the press about what's in there without that stuff even being in there. It's kind of like Adam Schiff's whole deal with the television. He's in his intelligence committee meetings. He gets information he's not supposed to share, but he can go out and say pretty much anything he wants because he's covered by his position and the fact that no one can go out and challenge his statements without themselves breaking the rules about what they're supposed to say about things they learned in the intelligence committee's private briefings. So the FBI and the DOJ will be able to leak whatever the stories they want about what's in these attorney client privileged communications, for instance. And unless Donald Trump himself wants to publish and publicize these attorney-client privileged communications, there will be no other way to refute the things the FBI and DOJ might leak to the press. And that story will go out there and people will believe it because people like Nora O'Donnell have such great gravitas. But back to John Solomon. Occasionally, a warrant collection can grab things outside the scope authorized by the court, and the department is now following a procedure we would for any person affected this way, one official said Monday night. Kevin Brock, who served as FBI Director for Intelligence under former Director Robert Mueller, said the new revelations raise legitimate questions about over-collection of evidence that could lead to significant legal challenges. Trump lawyers are weighing whether to ask a federal court to name a special master to review sensitive documents and protect the president's Fourth Amendment, executive and attorney client privileges. Trump's attorneys could have a runway to argue the scope of the search is overly broad, Brock told Just the News. Search warrants normally require a level of specificity that seems to be missing in this warrant. Specificity is important in order to protect Fourth Amendment rights from exuberant government overreach designed to find whatever they can. Brock said he was particularly troubled. FBI agents felt comfortable seizing a record of Trump's pardon of longtime friend Roger Stone, which the Bureau disclosed in court documents. He said it suggested the raid may have something more to do with the January 6th Capitol riot probe, where Stone has been a figure of interest than an investigation into classified records. The president's authority to grant pardon and clemency is clear, but what isn't clear is why the retention of a clemency order would be considered illegal, Brock said. The fact that it is highlighted on the receipt list and that it has to do with Stone will likely provide ammunition to Republicans who are asserting that the search was less about a document dispute and more about a hunt for derogatory January 6th information. And why would they be going after that right now? 
Well, the January 6th thing is completely falling apart. And Liz Cheney, who has been one of the leaders of that January 6th committee debacle, is expected to get blown out in her primary race today in Wyoming. Even the mainstream media outlets are talking about the end of Liz Cheney's career. Now, I thought there was going to be some big news coming last night that was going to distract from all this today. It never came. So it's possible that they don't believe they can cheat enough to put Liz Cheney over the top in this primary over Harriet Hageman or possibly that no one would believe it. It's also possible that after what we've seen in Arizona and elsewhere, they might be prepared to just forego the cheating for the rest of the primaries and save it for the actual midterms so that people will be like, don't you see how many MAGA candidates won? That means the elections are just fine. But the elections aren't just fine, and they do intend to cheat in November. If they don't cheat in November, they can't win. If they can't win, then they don't hold on to power. And if they don't hold on to power, the entire thing begins to collapse. In fact, it's already collapsing. But imagine what it would be like when they don't have majorities anywhere anymore. And there are enough people in the House and Senate to actually investigate all of these corrupt criminals and hold them accountable. There are Republicans running on the idea that Merrick Garland must be impeached. Alejandro Mayorkas must be impeached. Joe Biden must be impeached. My position is that none of them are there legitimately in the first place. So impeachment is not the right process for removing them. But we'll see how it goes. There's a race up in Alaska too, Kelly Shabaka versus Lisa Murkowski. That election is being run with a ranked choice voting system, which makes it possible for Lisa Murkowski to be the winner even if the voters of Alaska prefer Kelly Shabaka. And Project Veritas just did an expose on that last week. Members of Lisa Murkowski's campaign were involved in switching the voting system to ranked choice specifically to protect Lisa Murkowski from an event just like we're seeing today, where she is not the candidate. They're trying to keep her in power no matter the cost. Steve Bannon mentioned this morning that these primaries, if things go well today, will have taken out the McCain family political dynasty in Arizona, the Bush family political dynasty in Texas, the Cheney family political dynasty in Wyoming, and the Murkowski family political dynasty in Alaska. That would be incredible. Those are major GOP establishment power centers in four separate states. And nothing could be better than that. But let's get back to John Solomon. The revelations came on a day when DOJ also opposed requests to unseal the FBI affidavit, explaining the motive for the search, arguing such a move could imperil this and other investigations. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton, whose conservative watchdog regularly sues the government to release documents and is seeking to compel the release of documents in the Trump search, said the government's first court filings appear to describe an overly broad search that went far beyond classified records. They were engaged in a fishing expedition, and the warrant itself wasn't about classified information, though it mentioned it, Fitton told Just the News. 
It talked about all sorts of other documents. It basically gave the FBI carte blanche to anything they wanted from the Trump home. And the fact that a judge signed off on it is very troubling, he added. Brock agreed that the search warrant included a stunningly broad scope of targeted evidence and warned it could have a chilling effect on past and future presidents. This apparently makes a novel legal assertion that any presidential record kept by a former president is against the law, he explained. You have to wonder what the other living former presidents think about that. They have the right and apparently clear desire to remain silent. And that's an interesting point. They're in a bit of a catch 22 there. If they start coming out and saying, no, 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 you guys, you really can't take those documents from Donald Trump. He needs privacy on those documents. Well, the get Trump people would erupt. That would be terrible. They need these documents from Donald Trump. They need all the documents from Donald Trump because surely there must be a crime somewhere. And it would also be pretty obvious that these former presidents don't want their documents searched, especially Barack Hussein Obama. But apparently the move is to just focus on the get Trump effort with the idea that getting Trump would nullify any other threat that might come with the exposure of their own presidential documents, like the 30 million plus documents that Obama took and hid in his presidential library. And now no one has access to them ever, even though they were supposed to be digitized and added to the National Archives. And so the next stage of this little adventure began last night when Donald Trump called for the unsealing of the affidavit that was given to Procure the judge's signature on that warrant. Donald Trump released a statement on Truth Social. There is no way to justify the unannounced raid of Mar-a-Lago, the home of the 45th president of the United States, who got more votes by far than any sitting president in the history of our country. By a large number of gun-toting FBI agents and the Department of Justice. But in the interest of transparency... I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break in. Also, the judge on this case should recuse and nothing could be more obvious than that. The judge is a Trump hater who is conflicted in multiple ways. And let's go to CNN for the reaction from the central narrative. Let's get the official story about this affidavit. Florida judge to hold hearing Thursday on request to seal Mar-a-Lago affidavit. So Trump has already said that this federal magistrate judge should be recused from this case and should have nothing to do with the decision on whether or not to unseal this affidavit. The federal magistrate judge who approved the Mar-a-Lago search warrant will hold a hearing Thursday at the court in Florida to discuss requests to unseal investigators probable cause affidavit, which the Justice Department has opposed releasing. So the fake president and his Department of Justice will not release the affidavit. They don't want to release the affidavit. The fake president's administration initially said it had no advanced warning of the raid. They knew nothing about it. Their hands were completely off it. And then it was attempted at least to set the whole situation up that the FBI was responsible for the whole thing themselves and working on their own. It wasn't Merrick Garland. And then Merrick Garland had to come out and make a statement saying it was him. 
So did Merrick Garland make the decision to raid the home of a former president without the sign off of the real current president? Is that what we're to believe? Joe Biden had no knowledge of any of this. A department, the Department of Justice, under his purview in the executive branch, made the decision to raid a former president, a blatantly political act with 90 days to go until the election. And he didn't even consult his boss. That's what we are still told we must believe. And Joe Biden went on vacation for about five days down in South Carolina, stayed at a $20 million mansion. He's coming back to the White House for five hours today to sign the Inflation Reduction Act that the CBO even says will not reduce inflation, even while his administration is claiming that there's zero inflation. But of course, they're also saying that this is going to save the planet from the sun and they give $80 billion to the IRS to hire 87,000 new agents who they do plan on arming and they do plan on sending after taxpayers in the middle class, normal citizens. It's not just for the rich people. And that is exactly what is being told to us from IRS whistleblowers familiar with the situation. So the fake president is going to be back for five hours and then he heads up to Delaware, basically just on vacation this whole time doing his victory lap, which we'll get to in a minute. But the fake president is totally out of the public eye right now. Under any normal circumstances, he would be asked daily about what is going on with this raid and what he is instructing the Department of Justice to do. He would be forced to answer these kinds of questions because these questions are actually very, very important in a normal world. In the current world, everyone can see this is blatantly political. There are just enough members of Joe Biden's party and the uniparty who don't care. And anyone addicted to the central narrative who hates Donald Trump is happy about all this, despite the injustice, despite the one sidedness of it, because they don't think it can ever come for them. And that's been their approach the entire time through two years of the greatest concurrent crises this country has ever seen. They still have not considered that they might be wrong about any of it, even though they'll admit they don't really know anything about this stuff and don't really enjoy paying attention to it. They still have not been affected in their own lives, which leads them to believe they can't be affected in their own lives. And now they've invested so much time and energy and emotionality in being right about all of this and punishing all of the people on the other side that their fragile egos can't actually scale back at all enough to question whether or not they might be right about all of this stuff they don't know. So they're totally fine with all of it. The Justice Department is never going to come after them. The IRS is never going to come after them. The censorship regime is never going to come after them. They'll never have their ability to spend money in the marketplace altered in any way, not affected at all. They're not even worried about social credit scores because they know they follow the rules all the time. And if you follow the rules, even as those rules change and become tighter and more restrictive, 
If you are committed to following the rules and you're committed to going out and telling other people to follow the rules, well, then it'll never come to you until you're not useful anymore. But the point is they're fine with all of it. They just don't care. They don't care about holding Joe Biden accountable. They don't care about this affidavit being released. They want it hidden. They want it redacted because whatever Trump wants must be bad. And so the opposite of what Trump wants is good. A federal judge on Friday unsealed the search warrant and property receipt from the FBI search of former President Donald Trump's resort in Palm Beach, Florida, a move the Justice Department backed. But on Monday, the DOJ said it opposed releasing the affidavit specifically in an effort to protect witnesses and keep grand jury proceedings confidential. And isn't it interesting that they refer to Mar-a-Lago as Donald Trump's resort and not Donald Trump's home. Are they functionally and technically correct? Sure, you could argue that. But there's also intention behind writing resort rather than home. And the intention there is to mislead people about the degree of personal invasion that just happened. Disclosure of the government's affidavit at this stage would also likely chill future cooperation by witnesses whose assistance may be sought as this investigation progresses, as well as in other high profile investigations, the Justice Department wrote. So whoever filed this affidavit must be kept a secret because if he gets out there, then it's going to hurt their efforts to get Trump in other ways. And transparency of the Justice Department, who cares about that when you put it up against the bad orange man gaining more power in America? Media organizations, including CNN, had asked for the affidavit to be unsealed after the search last week at Trump's Palm Beach, Florida club and residence. The DOJ said details in the affidavit that lay out the argument that investigators made to federal magistrate judge Bruce Reinhardt explaining the probable cause it had to search Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate last week. The search documents show was an evidence gathering step in a national security investigation about presidential records at Mar-a-Lago. Trump owns the sprawling estate and it is his primary residence as well as a members only club and resort. So once you get to the end, it's all clear. The FBI recovered 11 sets of classified documents from its search, including some materials marked as top secret SCI, one of the highest levels of classification, according to documents from the search warrant that were released Friday. And again, they're reporting on what was listed in the search warrant, not what was actually there, just what was listed in the search warrant. And remember, Donald Trump as president is the ultimate authority on what gets declassified. He does have the power to declassify all of that stuff. And so we'll see on Thursday whether or not this affidavit will be publicly released. And Jack Posobiec tweeted an interesting message last night. Jack Posobiec seems pretty reliable in terms of his sources inside the fake administration. He has nailed a bunch of these in the past, but obviously we can't prove this. So take it with a grain of salt for now. But he wrote, 
The DOJ affidavit is based on that New York Times article Maggie Haberman wrote a while back, mixed in with hearsay and innuendo. That's why they won't release it. And he writes, screenshot this, meaning hold on to this because I'll be proven correct. And so the implication here, if I'm reading this correctly, is whoever signed the affidavit basically in some way tried to personally confirm Maggie Haberman's story about toilet documents and the mishandling of classified information. And then the FBI would have taken that affidavit and applied for their search warrant that basically allows them to take anything from Mar-a-Lago. And based on nothing more than this affidavit that was generated as a byproduct of fake news, the judge went ahead and signed the warrant that allowed the FBI three days later to go down and protect our national security by getting all of Trump's nuclear documents and passports and pardon of Roger Stone and note to Kim Jong-un. Oh, and also his executive privilege documents and his attorney client privilege documents. He was probably just about to flush all of them. Don't you see? But within the false reality, Joe Biden is actually one of the best presidents ever, and he's having an incredible run that has just lasted weeks now. He's passed all of this important legislation. The walls are closing in with the January 6th committee. The walls are closing in with the raid of Mar-a-Lago. The Get Trump initiative is in full effect. In the false reality, Joe Biden is a champion taking a well-deserved vacation after all of these big wins. And on the other side of things, Donald Trump is failing spectacularly. He's going to be indicted and arrested. And everyone will know that everything was true the whole time, all the way back to 2015. Donald Trump was always evil and they just couldn't quite catch him. But now they have him in their grasp. It's the silver bullet every communist has been waiting for. In fact, Joe Biden is doing so well that they're going to take his victory lap on the road. This is from yesterday in the Daily Mail. White House plans a victory lap after months of bad news. Top Biden officials will travel country pushing $437 billion bill despite concerns it won't do anything to address inflation. Well, that's strange because... Last week, it was a $740 billion bill. President Joe Biden and his top officials will take a victory lap over the next few weeks, touting a string of administration wins in whistle stops around the country. The White House outlined the strategy in a memo obtained by DailyMail.com that sets an upbeat tone for Democrats ahead of November's midterm election. For many administrations, August can be a momentum killer for this team August is going to be a momentum builder, write advisors Jen O'Malley Dillon and Anita Dunn in a memo to White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. The celebrations will include an event at the White House on September 6th to promote the Inflation Reduction Act. Additionally, between Sunday and the end of August, cabinet members will travel to 23 states, on over 35 trips to tout the legislation, along with other Biden victories, which include signing burn pits legislation and the CHIPS Act into law, 
killing al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri, who may have already been dead one or two times before this, and gas prices falling under $4, even though they're $2 per gallon higher than they were when Joe Biden assumed the role of fake president. And 23 states, I wonder which 23 they'll be. Well, there's 22 states with Democrat governors, so you'd have to assume it's all of them and then maybe one more. Some place where there's a very strong rhino, like Maryland or Massachusetts or Arkansas or Utah or maybe even Arizona and Georgia. The travel being called the Building a Better America Tour will continue this fall into the run up to the November election. Our goal for the next few weeks is simple. Take our message, one that we know resonates with key groups, and reach the American people where they are, the memo states. The messaging will focus on what Democrats passed in Congress and slam congressional Republicans for siding with the special interests, pushing an extreme MAGA agenda that costs families. Yes, families were so hurt by Donald Trump's four years in office, far more than they were ever hurt by the Democrat governors and the global communists who shut down virtually all of society and took millions of people out of their jobs, prevented millions of people from getting cancer screenings and other medical treatments, imposed lockdowns that increased loneliness and anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and actions and suicide and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and child abuse and domestic abuse. The MAGA agenda hurts families way more than inflation and illegal immigration and giving tens of billions of dollars away to what we call Ukraine. But you see, none of those things actually hurt American families because they're all in service of the global communist effort and the Green New Deal. And once those things are fully in place, well, families are just going to be stoked even despite the fact that part of their agenda is actually the destruction of the nuclear family. Black Lives Matter used to list that as part of their own agenda, but then they realized that people didn't really like that so much. So now it's not part of their official agenda. It's just still one of their goals in the background. You know, if they get to it. The blitz comes amid worries about how Democratic candidates will perform in the midterms, which will decide control of Congress. Much of the travel is focused on states with competitive congressional contests. But the Inflation Reduction Act, which contains health care and climate provisions, has raised questions about whether it will really lower the inflation rate. The Congressional Budget Office found that enacting the bill would have a negligible effect on inflation. The University of Pennsylvania found the impact on inflation is statistically indistinguishable from zero. The Inflation Reduction Act will lower the deficit by an estimated $300 billion over the next decade, and some argue a lower deficit means lower inflation. But of course, those people are idiots. The idea that you can create and spend new money and that that will somehow reduce inflation by lowering the deficit by 1% over the next decade. 
something no one has any reason to believe will actually happen because they'll just keep passing other bills that raise the deficit. Well, that's one crazy idea, the sort of thing that could only be believed by someone who believes everything the television tells them and then filters it through their tiny little child's brain until they feel they're ready to go out and tell the rest of the world that they are right once again. The end of the fake administration's memo says, Along with President Biden and Vice President Harris, the cabinet, elected officials and allied group partners are more united than ever and moving in unison to show how congressional Democrats beat the special interests and delivered for the American people. Our goal for the next few weeks is simple. Take our message, the one that we know resonates with key groups and reach the American people where they are. Which special interests have they beaten? Are they claiming that they beat the gun lobbies with their gun legislation? Who have they beaten? What have they beaten? There is nothing that they have conquered in order to do all of this. The only victory they might be claiming is one they have achieved over the American people. Because the American people are very clearly at this point the enemy of the Democrat Communist Party and uniparty Republicans who are more than happy to do pretty much anything the Democrat Communist Party wants them to do. But there's something kind of odd about this building a better America tour, and that's that it's only cabinet officials and administration officials who are going on this tour. First of all, no one wants to see them. No one cares about them. None of these people have the ability to draw crowds anywhere on their own. Are the communists planning on paying people to attend all these events to make it look like the country is on board with the fake administration's agenda? Are they just going to create a show for the American public? Everybody's going to be out there, all their big stars like Tom Vilsack and Javier Becerra and Deb Haaland. Nobody wants to see them. Why isn't Joe Biden going around the country to celebrate all of these great victories with people who are running for Congress and running for Senate? Why isn't he going out to support Democrat allies running for governor like Gretchen Whitmer and Katie Hobbs? Shouldn't they all want Joe Biden right next to them? I mean, these are astounding victories for the Democrat Party. They beat back the special interests, the American people, and they're accomplishing so very much. But of course, none of that's true. And the fact that no one in Joe Biden's party wants him to be out on the campaign trail with them proves that the whole thing is a lie. And even the mainstream media who's perpetuating the lie knows it. Here's Willie Geist this morning from Morning Joe. Listen carefully. You know, Mika, in this primary season, shape-shifting Republican candidates who are trying to become as closely aligned with Donald Trump as they can be, even though they have no history of it, dating back to a month or so ago, Liz Cheney's closing ad is who she's always been for the last couple yeah. of years. And she's saying, take me or leave me. This is the truth. This is who Donald Trump is. This is what I think he's done to the country. This is what I think he may still do to the country. And she's willing, perhaps, to lose by 20 or more points to make that stand. So Joe Biden has just been winning constantly. 
for weeks on end, just win after win after win. And rather than going out on the campaign trail with different Democrats running for Congress, running for Senate, running for governor all around the country, true allies, people that have helped him battle his battle against the special interests in ultra MAGA. None of them want Joe Biden next to them, even though he's winning all the time. Or, hey, maybe Joe Biden's just not capable of traveling out on the campaign trail. So Joe Biden's on a victory lap. It's just that no no one in the Democrat Communist Party wants to be around him while they campaign for office, except they're not really campaigning for office because they just have essentially skipped their summer recess. They all stayed in Washington, D.C. and kept Congress in session. Now, why would they do that? It's very, very odd. But nonetheless, everybody knows that the country loves Joe Biden. He's getting so much done for them. And the country hates Donald Trump. No one wants another four years of Donald Trump. No one wants all these ultra MAGA QAnon candidates. Except Willie Geist just tried to paint all those people as liars, saying that they weren't with Trump before, but they are now. Just within the last month or so, all of these people have begun cozying up to Donald Trump, which is so weird because Donald Trump was just hiding nuclear secrets at Mar-a-Lago. He's committed espionage and is a traitor to the country. He's a danger to each and every one of us. In fact, democracy itself could end if MAGA achieves any more power. Why are all of these Republican candidates cozying up to Donald Trump when everyone hates him so much. It's so crazy, isn't it? The only way to make sense of a situation like this that's so self-refuting on its face would be to just trust the television because the television tells you that reality is not as it is. The false reality is, in fact, the true reality. And if you just believe it enough, you can stay there forever where it's nice and safe and everybody says the okay words and not the no-no words. Everyone hates Donald Trump. His political reign of terror is going to come to an end. Joe Scarborough goes on television and begs everyone to come on back to the nice, friendly Republican Party that Joe Scarborough represents. You don't have to be those crazy ultra MAGA people. Just give up all your principles and come come on back. Come on back home. Join us over here on Morning Joe, the place where we talk about how nice it would be if everyone would just mask their children for no reason and how everyone should be mandated to get vaccines that don't work and are incredibly dangerous. That Morning Joe, you know where conservatives belong. Come on back. Donald Trump is just so toxic. He's a criminal. It's all crashing down for him. And nonetheless, Republican candidates are trying as hard as possible to get Donald Trump's endorsement and get Donald Trump's help in the fall because Donald Trump is the most powerful politician in the United States of America by far. It's not even close. Even mainstream polls show Donald Trump in a better position in terms of approval ratings than Joe Biden. And that's with a media that is entirely against Donald Trump all the time. And that same media is now selling us a victory tour for Joe Biden, even though no Democrat candidate will appear at a campaign event with him. They're not even back in their districts campaigning. 
They're just keeping Congress in session because I guess they have some good reason to stay in Washington, D.C. Maybe they just enjoy being in foreign occupied territory. Maybe it's safer there. But hey, commies, it's been two and a half years of nothing but lies flooding into your ears and eyes all day long from your phone and your TV screen and the idiots you're friends with. Nothing but lies. And you still haven't gotten it. The media is lying to you directly. It cannot be true that Joe Biden is winning and super popular and on a victory lap, but also that no Democrat candidate wants anything to do with him. That can't be. It also can't be that everybody hates Donald Trump and MAGA is collapsing and nobody wants to associate themselves with those crazy people. But also MAGA candidates are winning in all of their primaries. Trump's endorsement is the most powerful endorsement in the history of politics. Many of those MAGA candidates are set up for enormous wins in the fall. Republicans are headed for one of the biggest victories in the last hundred years in these midterm elections. But also Donald Trump is a traitor to his country that committed espionage. How is all of that true? It can't be. And it's not like you need to adventure onto the QAnon message boards or all of the alternative social media apps to figure this out. The media you watch and the media you are committed to believing tells you both things. They can't possibly both be true. The story they're giving you is that Joe Biden is riding a wave. The reality, the observable, empirical, concrete reality shows you that there's not a single Democrat candidate in the country that wants Joe Biden campaigning with them. Which thing is true? The story about the victory lap that makes you feel good? The one that you're told to go out and tell everyone else? Or the reality as it exists in front of you? Which one of those things are true? It cannot be both. So why is the same source telling you both things? What does that mean about that source? How can that source be consistently telling you the truth when it is consistently telling you two things that can't both be true? And also, what is Joe Biden doing traveling at a time like this? Dr. Jill has fallen ill. She has COVID after four COVID shots, just like Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer yesterday, and Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary yesterday. In two days, we have three prominent global communist figures all falling ill with the China virus after receiving four shots. They're also going to take Paxlovid. That'll fix them up nice and quick, even though Paxlovid doesn't work. But hey, they don't get paid to say that. They get paid to say Paxlovid does work. It's also worth noting, and I think I failed to mention this yesterday, but in 2021, on April 1st, 2021, that same Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer, tweeted, excited to share that updated analysis from our phase three study with BioNTech also showed that our COVID-19 vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID-19 cases in South Africa, 100%. That was his tweet, April 1st, 2021. 
the CEO of Pfizer. This is the sort of thing that has been completely memory hold. Talk to a vaccine about what the vaccine was supposed to do, and they will tell you, oh, everybody knew the vaccine was not going to prevent transmission and infection. That's not what it was for. It was to prevent serious illness. Well, that's just not true. They came out and told the world that it would prevent infection. And you can find many examples of this. They had to switch the story later because it became so obvious that the people who got the experimental gene therapy were getting COVID at far higher rates than us, the control group, the people who didn't fall for that mass manipulation and instead used our brains and stuck to our principles and didn't subject ourselves to the whims of the corrupt state. Now, let's see how things are going with corruption in Los Angeles. This is from Breitbart today. L.A. claims 27 percent error rate in recall signatures, but under one percent error rate in mail in ballots in 2020. Well, that's amazing. Their system must have gotten so much worse in the last almost two years. I wonder if they'll have under a one percent rate on mail in ballots for the midterm elections. Los Angeles County reported Monday that over 27% of the signatures submitted on petitions to recall District Attorney George Gascone were invalid after reporting that less than 1% of mail-in ballots were invalid in the 2020 election. The county reported that it rejected 195,783 of the 715,833 signatures submitted, roughly 27.3%. The reasons given include that some voters were found to be unregistered, incorrect addresses were given, or signatures did not match those on file. However, in January 2021, the county reported that less than 1% of the 3,422,585 vote-by-mail ballots submitted were rejected. The test for the validity of ballots is similar to that of petitions involving checking signatures and addresses. Given that the state of California mailed ballots to every voter on the rolls rather than just those who had requested them as in years past, there was a high likelihood of error. Some voters reported receiving multiple ballots, often for prior residents. These problems persisted in the 2021 recall election for Governor Gavin Newsom, as personally witnessed by this author. Yet the county reported that 99.38% of vote-by-mail ballots were accepted in 2020. The number of vote-by-mail ballots that were rejected due to inaccurate signatures, 12,135, in the election was close to the number rejected for that reason in the recall petitions, 9,490. Though the number of signatures to be examined in the election was roughly five times greater, in the primary phase of the 2020 election, when many states were using vote by mail for the first time, the rejection rate was roughly one in four, according to the Washington Post. That rate of rejection was less than one percent nationwide in the general election and lower than the rejection rate in 2016 in many states when there were far fewer people voting by mail. One explanation, according to 538.com who are literally paid to lie about this sort of thing, was that states proactively changed their election policies to prevent ballots from getting tossed due to lateness. 
and that the voters were given a chance to cure invalid ballots. A more cynical theory was that officials may have lowered standards for rejection, given the emphasis on vote by mail during the pandemic. Recall proponents complained that they were not allowed to watch the signature verification process after county officials said they were not required to allow observers since the petition drive did not qualify as an election under state law. Isn't that amazing? So now there's no recall election coming for George Gascon, who is one of the most hated Soros district attorneys in the entire country. They rejected 27% of the signatures and didn't allow anybody to observe the process because it wasn't technically an election. And when you see story after story of political corruption and election manipulation in California, and you know there are 5 million plus voter registrations in California that are invalid or inactive or otherwise not representative of legal voters, you might begin to factor that into the narrative about how California is leading the nation, about how California is deep, deep blue. If California is a pioneer at anything, it is only stealing elections on behalf of the global communists so they can implement the agenda ahead of the rest of the country. And that is exactly what you see happening in the real world. California is not nearly as blue as people claim it to be. In fact, it may well be red. And I think when we get the actual results from the 2020 election, we'll find out that California was red, that it voted for Donald Trump. And you're welcome to go ahead and call me crazy. But what does the world look like then? We know all of the ways that they achieved that result. We know all of the ways that they manipulate elections to achieve that result. And we know that they use that system all the time. So why would we think that they haven't been doing it there? And as someone who lived in Los Angeles for a very long time, I can tell you that there are some very, very, very stupid people in California. But it's not the entire state. They're saying that almost 200,000 of the signatures to recall George Gascon were invalid. 200,000. Is there any explanation for how those 200,000 fake signatures could have been produced? This was all just a scam? How does that even make sense? The other major Soros district attorney, Chesa Boudin, was himself recalled within the last few months. But there's just no chance that could happen in Los Angeles to George Gascon. The recall side just had to trick everyone. Is that what we're supposed to believe? It is amazing the lengths that these people will go to. And finally, I just want to put this on your radar. This is from military.com. Space Force takes over all military satellite communications. This is from yesterday. The Army transferred some of its satellite operations to the Space Force on Monday, marking the latest move to reorganize and grow the youngest military branch. 
In addition to control of the communication satellites, 500 people will transfer from the Army's Space and Missile Defense Command based in Huntsville, Alabama, to Shriver Space Force Base in Colorado as part of the expansion. This historic transfer from the Army to the Space Force will mark the first time all Department of Defense military satellite communication functions have been consolidated under a single military service, the Space Force wrote in a press release. The Army has also transferred roughly $78 million of its budget to the Space Force for 2022 to help expand the service's infrastructure. Lieutenant General Bradley Chance Saltzman, the Space Force's current Deputy Chief of Operations, who has been nominated by President Joe Biden as the next leader of the service, said in a statement last year that consolidating the military's satellites is a necessity. We need to create this unity of effort around our space missions to ensure we're up to those challenges that we face because the space domain has rapidly become far more congested and far more contested than when I was a lieutenant or a captain operating space capabilities, Saltzman said. The new Army transfers to Space Force came from the 53rd Signal Battalion, which has an illustrious history, participating in several noteworthy military campaigns, including France, Italy, and Tunisia during World War II, counteroffensives during the Vietnam War, and supporting Operations Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom, and New Dawn in the Middle East. Some of the 500 Army personnel will transfer to detachments located in Maryland, Hawaii, Germany, and Japan. Additionally, approximately 200 civilians will transfer from the Department of the Army to the Department of the Air Force as a result of the move, according to the Space Force. In June, the Naval Satellite Operations Center, NAVSOC, at Naval Base Ventura County in Mugu, California, was placed under the Space Force's Space Delta-8 and designated as the new 10th Space Operations Squadron. Many of the Army and Navy transfers were supposed to happen at the beginning of this year, but they were pushed off by Congress's delay in passing last year's budget. In total, 15 units with 600 people from the Army and Navy combined are set to be transferred to the Space Force throughout this year. When the Space Force was created in 2019, it relied heavily on inter-service transfers to grow its ranks. Last year, 670 active duty soldiers, sailors, and Marines were selected to transfer into the military's newest branch, growing it by nearly 10%. So this is a very interesting development that I'm truthfully not entirely sure what to make of yet. Donald Trump created the Space Force, and now Joe Biden's illegitimate administration to one degree or another is exercising control over the current Space Force. But the satellite issue is an interesting one, particularly with the rise of satellite systems like Elon Musk's Starlink, because we know Elon Musk has had a slew of defense contracts in his time running his various technology companies. I imagine we could be hearing quite a bit more about this over the coming days and weeks and months, but I just wanted to put it in the back of your head and just keep it there. No assumptions. You don't need to create new scenarios. Just keep it back there because it'll probably come back around again soon. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. 
In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon. 
down on the range. It's hell!